The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Will you come talk about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? You can't hear that. So Joe Biden's been on vacation laying on the beach, which is kind of interesting. I mean, good for him, uh, but but... You know, I'm past the age of laying in the sun to get more sun exposure on my skin. There he is at 80 years old, pale as can be, laying shirtless on a on a one of those folding chairs, getting sun. All right, not a joke. Well, vitamin D is good for you, but uh, I'm not. I don't really have a strong stance on the president's sunning practices. Um, I don't I either. I got hairy it's just, legs. Just surprising. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that many 80 80 year olds that sun themselves. No. Anyway, um, he is hanging out on the beach, and then he was asked when he got close enough to reporters about the rising death toll in Hawaii. That's what that was. You could hear from the reporters. That was from a Bloomberg reporter, Justin Sink. Uh, and Joe Biden said, no comment, before he headed home. And that's getting a fair amount of attention. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't hear or understand the question, and he assumed it was something about Hunter's legal woes. Or something like that. He's just so used to saying no comment around all those stories. How recently have you seen Howie? That's what he heard. But the fact that he has not said anything about the the Hawaii thing, and you know, if you've been listening to us for years, we're not big on the whole the president is the empathizer in chief that has to like emote on behalf of all of us or something. And console us all in our hour of need. But can you imagine if somebody had shouted at Donald Trump, what do you have to say about the rising death toll in Hawaii? And he had said no comment. (laughs) And smiled and waved. What the fallout (laughs) would have been from that? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, maybe he heard it, maybe he didn't. He's old and senile and needs to go away. Uh, 
on that topic of uh, the Biden family and their rampant, uh, I'm trying to be fair here, their incredibly lucrative, if difficult to pin down careers, uh, Merrick Garland's appointment of David Weiss as a special counsel is best understood as political damage control, writes the Wall Street Journal, extremely critical of that whole deal. Now, I would say that I was looking up at ABC today, and they had in the, the, the letters underneath their story about this, Hunter Biden now likely to stand trial. Is that what mm-hmm. most people think? So that's not to Absolutely. His, but that's not to his benefit. Well, the Wall Street Journal wrote, and it's funny you should bring that up because they wrote, the result may be worse for the president's son, but better for Joe Biden's reelection campaign because it preserves some semblance of... Uh, look, the Justice Department is operating independently. We're not controlling the Justice Department. That's how uh, honorable I am. Uh, although I think Joe Biden's not running anyway, and the worse uh, Hunter's uh, problems get, the more sure I am of that. So I differ I differ with the Wall Street Journal's editorial board on that. Uh, but the uh, they go into the, the wrist-slap plea deal being uh, withdrawn. He may now end up facing felony tax charges, as two investigating IRS whistleblowers told Congress they had recommended and other charges. Yet there's reason to doubt they write that this special counsel decision will end up reassuring anybody about equal justice. Mr. Weiss is the same prosecutor who cut the discredited plea deal with Hunter Biden. And I would say calling it discredited is gentle. Utterly, inexplicably corrupt, rotten plea deal would be more complete. He will now have some additional powers to bring an indictment in other jurisdictions if he wants. But as the U.S. attorney for Delaware, he's been investigating the Hunter case for five years. And he claimed over and over again in response to the whistleblowers, no, I had all the authority I needed. I didn't need special uh, uh, counsel status. But now I do need special counsel status now that the plea is blown up. It's just obviously so phony. Um, But then the Wall Street Journal says... Uh, what changed to make this the right decision now, other than the embarrassing impl- implosion of the plea deal and the political fallout around it? This is vindication for the whistleblowers in any case. But is Mr. Weiss now going to pursue the Hunter money trail wherever it leads, including perhaps to other members of the Biden family? Keep in mind he isn't independent in any legal sense and still must report to and have his prosecutions approved by Mr. Garland. As a career prosecutor, Mr. Wise has to know that pursuing the Biden money trail with any vigor would make him a political target of the Democratic media machine. Um, Let's interject this here. This is Sarah Isger from The Dispatch on ABC This Week talking about Weiss. I think this is not a great moment for the Department of Justice. You had the plea deal fall apart in a very public fashion where it looked like the Department of Justice didn't really know what was in their plea deal. You had a whistleblower saying that Weiss had not been given all the latitude that then Weiss himself claimed that he had, for instance, bringing charges in different jurisdictions. And so a lot of political pressure builds, and then you have the Attorney General give this designation. The department never wants to be seen as responding to these outside forces and this outside pressure, and that's exactly what it looks like here. I'd say. I don't know how you'd read it any other way. One thing I'm, I'm trying to dig into right now, we got this note from Brian in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Shout out to Brian. The U.S. statute on appointing a special counsel, 28 CFR subsection 600.1. Paragraph I was just B. reading that over the weekend. No, I wasn't. That's one of my favorites, yeah. It requires the position to be filed with an 
out filled rather with an outside counsel. In other words, special counsel can't be employed by the federal government. Garland broke the law, period. And I'm trying to, uh, because uh, Jonathan Turley mentioned the same thing. This is so obvious and so high profile. I'm wondering whether I'm missing something, well, we must, whether Brian we, is. We must be. We must be. We have to be, right? Yeah, there must be a provision, you know, 14 paragraphs later that says in the event of blah, 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 then the attorney general can appoint somebody within the Justice Department. It's got to be. Well, I think everybody who is paying attention at all, and I would actually like to know those numbers. I'd like to know what percentage of Americans had ever heard the name David Weiss or could tell you what he did. It'd be pretty small. What do you think it'd be single digits, Joe? You think it'd be that low? Because you got to be pretty into it. But, yeah, well, it's it's not more than 20. But if you were into it, the first thing you thought was, wait a second, the guy that wrote up the fake plea deal where he was going to get away with everything forever is now the head guy investigating what? I mean, it yeah. struck everybody the same way. And as the Wall Street Journal points out, among others... Special counsel, status, special counsel status is politically convenient for Messrs. Weiss and Garland because it means both men can use the excuse of an ongoing investigation to refuse to answer questions from Congress. Justice is also likely to wall off FBI agents and others who've worked on the case and forget about members of the Biden family. Congress's probe may have hit a dead end. They found a way to end the House Oversight Committee's probe. Man, if you can look at it from a nonpartisan 30,000 foot view and not, you know, pick a side on this stuff, it is just so bad for the country to have obvious shenanigans going on in the Justice Department around Hunter and the president and influence peddling and all sorts of stuff. And then all the Trump stuff on the other side, some of which he did. I mean, it's just so bad. This is such a bad moment for the country. Well, it's absolutely easy to see. And as I've said many times, I'm not the biggest Trump fan in the world, but it is blatant that on the one side, it's prosecute everything. Oh, sure. And on the other side, it's uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Right, and go out of your way to. On one side, you're you're pulling out all the stops to investigate everything and and prosecute it to the the, the highest level. And on the other side, you've got the actual federal justice department trying to drag their feet and let things expire and let things not be investigated. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, and a judge saying essentially, "What the hell is this?" to the plea deal. Why don't we, as long as we're talking about it, uh, play thirty-two, Michael? Catherine I just Harrington. want to emphasize CBS. that plea deal was uh, not standard, uh, so irregular that the judge in Delaware hit pause on it and at one point said to one of Weiss's prosecutors, what is the legal precedent for this case? And they said there was none. And that is why the criticism from Republicans that it was a special deal for a special defendant mm-hmm. has resonated. One final note from me uh, to quote the Wall Street Journal's, uh, Journal. Mr. Weiss will be obliged to file a report to the Attorney General at the end of his investigation, but the AG does not have to release it to the public. Meanwhile, President Biden will have the excuse of the investigation, refuse to answer questions about the Biden family business during the campaign, and the press corps may give him that pass. Again, I don't think he's running, but if he does, uh, they're certainly right about that. So he won't have, they can't ask, well, they, they, there's no point in asking him any questions because he can legitimately say, that's an ongoing investigation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't comment. I'm forbidden from commenting. Is this 
as transparently what it is as it seems? Well, I, I was thinking, I was just ruminating as we were listening to Catherine Herridge, old friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, that um, if there was somebody who was hardcore beyond, like, discussion, angry at the swamp, and absolutely convinced that it was only intent on tearing down their man, Donald J. Trump, what would I say to him to argue him off that position? Right. Given what we've been discussing. One final note, then we'll leave this behind. Um, the New York Post pointing out, and I've got to admit, I'm slightly biased. Not not completely. I'm not in the bag for it, but slightly biased in favor of Glenn Kessler of the Washington Post, their so-called fact checker, because he's a really nice guy. I just think he is immersed in the bubble of East Coast elite journalism and politics and has drifted. Because I think he's a well-meaning guy, but sometimes he's he just so screwed up. As the Washington, uh, I'm sorry, as the New York Post points out, in the latest blow to his own credibility and his employers, Kessler has again sneakily updated an October 2020 fact check of a New York Post article that cast doubt on the 100% accurate reporting that Joe Biden, as vice president, was involved in Hunter's influence peddling operation via 2015 dinner with Hunter and Burisma big Vadim Pozarsky. We talked about this last week. Originally, Kessler just parroted the Biden uh, response. Officials who worked for Biden at the time told the fact checker that no such meeting took place. That's not a fact check. That's a printing of a claim. He suggested all Biden had done was shake hands and chat with Pozarski at a public event. But as more evidence supporting the story emerged, Kessler was forced to walk that back. He first published an updated version of the fact check, specifically about the dinner in question, admitting Biden had been there, but suggesting Pozarski hadn't and backing Biden world's claim that Joe had only dropped by briefly. Well, now Devin Archer has testified under oath at risk of perjury and the new new fact checks. Uh, yeah, Pozarski was there and Biden was too pretty much for a long time. So that's not fact-checking. That's nothing like fact-checking. Are there any Pinocchios involved in that, or is it not that kind of a fact-check? Because there's not a claim? Uh, well, this is the New York Post reporting on uh, okay. Kessler. They don't mention whether he uh, changed the number of Pinocchios. So are you drinking? You drinking much? Latest Gallup numbers around drinking are out. See if you're in step with most of America. Why don't you mind your own business? Or you're some sort of prude or you're a degenerate drunk. It's got to be one or the other. There's nothing in the middle in my world. Hmm. Uh, among other things we've got on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> if you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My daughter was screaming. She was like, oh, my God, it's a it's a frog. And I was like, a what? She was like, a frog. It was alive and moving. I didn't see anything. It didn't feel heavy or anything. I didn't feel anything wiggling. Well, I didn't want him to die. <laughs> but I didn't want him in my food. That clip does not make it clear. That woman found a frog in her what? Her a package of spinach. So you go to the store, you buy some spinach, you open it up, and there's a live frog in it? Live frog in it. And be disconcerting, no doubt. Frogs eating healthy. Goes to the frog. That could cause you to drink. If you're a drinker, the latest latest numbers on drinking out from Gallup. Americans are holding steady with their drink use at 62%, according to Gallup, which is right in keeping with the numbers over the last 80 years. It goes a little higher, a little lower, but it hangs around in that area, more or less, that 62% of people have had an alcoholic beverage in the last month, I think, is the way they measure it. In the last month? Gallup found most Americans reported they had, quote, an occasion to use alcoholic beverages such as liquor, wine, or beer. An occasion. My occasion is anger. (laughs) The sun came up. Dissatisfaction with the world. (laughs) Ah, It's funny. The high number actually was 71% in the late 70s. I blame Jimmy Carter. I mean, you looked at that sweater and you had to take a shot. I mean, it was just difficult. Well, Uh, you had the malaise. Exactly. Uh, obviously, if 62% of people are drinking, that's a chunk of people that aren't. 38% of, of, of participants said they abstain completely from drinking. So if you've ever wondered about that, 38% of people not drinking at all, with a quarter of those saying they don't have a desire to or do not want to drink. What is wrong with you? And how do you deal with boring people? <laughs> exactly. 
Maybe they are the boring people. That could be it. <laughs> the poll found that between 10 and 16% of non-drinkers cited various reasons behind their choice, including not liking alcohol. There are 8 million different ways to drink it. Drink it with something chocolatey or fruity or vegetable-y or, or straight up or iced or hot. Whatever you want. That's a, you're, you're, a, you're not trying hard enough if you can't come up with the way you like it. Is it possible that 15% of the population, alcohol makes them feel like completely different than it makes like uh, me feel? Well, that would be a different thing. They don't like the taste of it. But like, yeah, I know. I, I've heard people say, I don't know. It makes me feel all lightheaded. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, oddly enough, Judy and I are on a bit of a break right now for a variety of reasons. But uh, uh, like Ross and Rachel so I'm dragging down. No, no, no. Oh, drinking. Oh, okay. No, not from each other. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, from from the sauce. It's partly a weight thing. I mean, vacation and family reunion and it's just too much, too much. Every night is not Friday night. You can't live like that. (laughs) For those who do drink, 69% said they drank within the past week. So of drinkers, it's recently, with 32% saying they did so in the past 24 hours. A third drank within the last 24 hours. Yeah. Fifth of okay. Hennessy. Hey, whatever you like, baby. So you got 40% not drinking at all, and you got a third that are drinking every day, which is fine. I have, I have no judgment on that. Like you said, I can tell you, you which party I want to go to. How are you supposed to deal with boring people? Um, miss, miss an hour of the show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Police say the mob used bear spray to disarm security, with 30 to 50 people ransacking the handbag section of the store, stealing around $100,000 of high-end inventory. LAPD promises to find those involved. Is there any doubt in your mind this is organized crime, and has it become a lot more sophisticated? But there's no doubt that this is organized. Some of it involves gang members. Some of it involves people that are what you would identify as professional retail thieves. Professional retail thieves. Now, which video was this that was making the rounds over the weekend on social media and even network news? Since there were two, there was the Glendale Mall thing that we talked about Thursday or Friday, and then there was a new one on Saturday. The one, the Glendale, which I'm more familiar with just because I shop there regularly. They got $300,000 worth of stuff in like two minutes. And then, then this, wow. this one was about a hundred grand. Yeah, the Topanga Mall, if you know uh, L.A. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable if you've seen the videos. It's a gang of people just stealing everything they want with impunity, no fear of being no fear of being apprehended or anything like that. Well, I would um, say- and if, if you think that this is victimless, you're an idiot. You don't understand a business, b economic, c society. Well, I know that's just I, I made the mistake of looking at some of the comments below the video on Twitter. Now where are rich old white women going to shop? You're an idiot. You should lose the vote. All right. Um, the amazing thing to me is uh, this is different than the like just random dude with a trash bag swiping all the toothpaste into a bag on the Walgreens. It, it, Usually. the uh, I think... Just we've always hated the idea that employees are told to just don't don't touch them or let them go or whatever. I hate that. But man, if it's a group of like 30, 40 people, what am I going to do? Bear spraying people in the face? What am I going to do? No, I know I'm not going to fight them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even uh, ultra left mayor Karen Bass called the incident absolutely unacceptable. Quote, those who committed these acts and acts like it in neighboring areas must be held accountable. The LAPD will continue to work to not only find those responsible for this incident, but to, but to prevent, prevent these attacks on retailers from happening in the future. Um, worth mentioning, as we did, I think it was last week, that um, often this is sponsored by known street gangs and increasingly by the Mexican drug cartels who see enormous profit in it. There's all kinds of all these items. As you pointed out, there's all kinds of reasons that it's horrible. But what will happen, because we've seen it, we've all seen it happen to various malls. If you become a mall where people, bad guys come there and steal from it people with money find a different mall to go to where that's less likely to happen. So it mm-hmm. really damages business. Or you turn the mall into an armed camp yeah. where everybody's scrutinized all the time. You got to be buzzed into the stores. Yeah, and which just... the way it is downtown San Francisco right now. Right, exactly. I think this is notable that this aired on MSNBC back to Sam Brock. Though the L.A. area alone has been battered by at least four such robberies in the last couple of weeks... 
It's been a national problem for years. From sledgehammers in New York City to San Francisco's Union Square mayhem in 2021 to this sudden clothing grab in Atlanta, Heath Herzog wrote a book on the crime trend and points to changes in local laws. Is there something that all of these cities have in common? It's the threshold for these cities to prosecute for grand larceny. No way. The threshold has increased for all of these cities, and then we have bail reform. She says some thieves no longer think twice about stealing, with stores in 2022 losing tens of billions to theft. Tens of billions. And it's because of policy progressive policy that's according to msnbc yep it's gotten that obvious and that egregious well i guess we should be happy well then i and i guess that most viewers of mainstream media are interested to hear that nugget whereas in talk radio or anything that leans conservative that was discussed before the policies went into effect as the policies went into effect we cannot prosecute our weight out of the desperation that we have. And uh, I think it was interesting that they said this is a national problem. Well, it's a local problem in a bunch of different places that have one thing in common. I'll give you a moment or two, MSNBC. I, I realize you're still catching up, but I'll bet you can figure out what they have in common. I know. I was at the fancy mall around here the other day, and there were guys with guns on their hips. This is sort of thing you just never would see outside of a, you know, a, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce some of the stores. Uh, Saint Laurent. <laughs> um, uh, guys with guns on their hips. Right. You never would have seen that 50 years, I mean, 20, I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, five years ago. It's policy. And then in Cal Unicornia, which has been, you know, the epicenter for this sort of thing. Uh, Gavin Newsom and others promoting a number of uh, ballot measures that decriminalized crime, ended cash bail, that sort of thing, emptied the prisons. He has not met with the Sheriff's Association, as we were discussing last week. Now, he had one token meeting with a couple of them because he realized how incredibly damaging that piece of information was. But he has not seriously sat down with law enforcement to ask them, hey, these policies, what's the effect been on the street? Because he doesn't care. Those videos are going to be the ads against Governor Newsom if he runs for president. As well, they should be. And how would how would, so you have that in one ad, and you have just somebody driving down a road in San Francisco, L.A., San Diego, Sacramento, pick your town, um, with the, the the miles and miles of tents on the sidewalks. How would you how would you come how would you refute that? Gavi is pretty slick at it, but I don't. It's so uh, mountainous, the evidence. I don't think he'll be able to slither away. You know, he'll claim, yes, we have enormous challenges in California because of the high cost of housing, but we're addressing it in this way, in this way. And we've seen a 30% reduction, and that 30% will be a completely made up number. But he, you know, presents it confidently, and he's a good uh, huckster, he's a good con man. In fact, if I were to give him praise, it would be, and he's untested because he lives in a one-party state. He, he rules in a one-party state, but he is a slick con man. So I saw this response to the video of all the robbers running into the Nordstrom there in the L.A. area. This is not random 
tolerable theft. Law enforcement should start thinking about the stuff they did to break the mafia surveillance, RICO prosecutions, etc. So is yeah. this this is more organized? I, I, one of the uh, news reports I saw about this said they ran out and jumped into BMWs and Lexi. Um, that's you know that that is different than the half homeless person with a trash bag who's going to sell this on the street corner. Yeah, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them anyway. There's I don't no either, excuse for breaking the law. But it's a different a different yeah, thing we're looking at. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah, extremely profitable uh criminal uh gangs. It, it's a Rico statute violation from day till uh, to, from dawn till dusk. Yeah. And they just figured out, "Hey, it seems to be. I mean, why are we going to let these street thugs steal all the stuff out of the stores?" We'll steal the stuff out of the stores and make serious profit of it. They're they're going to sell it for two bucks to get a to hit a meth. We'll we'll make real money off this. Well, anybody lacking the ethical, you know, hesitation to do this sort of thing ought to do it. There are no repercussions. Why wouldn't you do it? On a totally different topic, I actually found this somewhat inspiring. It's the 85% principle. Makes sense to me. The 85% principle. I'm going to enact this in my life, and I think it will make all the difference. Yes, that was intentionally overdramatic, but I I think it's pretty cool. Do I have to stay tuned to hear it? You ought to stay tuned if you want to hear it. I'm not going to tell you what you have to do. You have free will. Is this next Trump indictment, which could come tomorrow... Going to be that's one too many for anybody, or will he go up in the polls again, or or not? Maybe we'll discuss that at some point, or we'll wait and see. I don't know what we'll do. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to the Wall Street Journal, Georgia is possibly ground zero for Trump exhaustion as another indictment looms this week. Maybe we could get into that an hour four. And I keep thinking we're done with the Hunter Biden investigation plea deal special counsel thing, but uh, really interesting back and forth in public over what happened with that phony baloney plea deal. This this is going to blow up. It absolutely is. So we'll have that in hour four. If you don't get hour four of the Armstrong and Getty show, it's available via podcast uh, not long into the future later today. Uh, it's called Armstrong and Getty On Demand. <clears throat> I found this super interesting. Um the 85% principle. Uh, believe it or not, I was a distance runner as a, a youngster, um, pitcher in baseball. I'm still an avid golfer. and and But this has a lot it has to do with more than sports. But they start with sports. This guy who's part of a fitness training uh, company, works with athletes, says, when an athlete is told to run at 85%, they run faster than if they're told to run at 100%. It's called the 85% rule, and here's why it works. And they go into Carl Lewis, who is a notorious slow starter, but fast finisher. It became known that he wasn't performing at full throttle. He was going 85% the whole time. And why 85%? When when you have your best performances, it's never when you're trying your hardest. Instead, the task usually feels easy and effortless. Going at 85% is a mindset about relaxation and awareness and performing at a high level while being in flow. It's about pacing, form, and finishing. At 85%, you're not striving or straining by operating at the very limit of your ability. You have room to think, focus, and adapt. So applying the 85% rule helps you balance intensity while being focused and relaxed. Kind of fits in with my shooting for a B, 85%, right in the heart of getting a B. (laughs) Right. Sure. Well, back in the day, now that's like an A++. Mm. But... uh, uh, different topic. few examples how to do this. At work, instead of going full throttle, take your time, release the pressure, focus. Put an emphasis on optimizing your systems and adopt a, me- whatever that means, and adapt a mentality of expending 85% of your mental energy toward a task. In your diet, instead of trying to be perfect, aim to get 85% of your food choices right. Mm. Takes the pressure off you, gets you away from an all-or-nothing mindset. So get 5% of my food choices right. 85? Oh, I'm sorry. I heard five. I like this. Uh, 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 I was going to go much. with five. <laughs> five to 85. It's a range. <laughs> In your workouts, and I've heard this now a few times lately, this sort of thing. Instead of going to failure for every exercise, aim for 85% intensity so you can focus on good form, keep your body injury-free, mm. 
we have a rule as they're working with elite athletes keep one or two reps in the tank when lifting wow that's interesting that's not at all what they were doing in the gym back when i used to go to the gym all the time it was do everything until you can't do another one with a gun to your head right yeah exactly i remember those days uh that's really interesting the key to the 85 percent rule relax Focus on form. Set your mind to 85% intensity. Work just below your maximum threshold. And stop when you feel close to 100% of your mental, physical capability. Instead of putting the pressure by trying to go 100, aim for 85%. Doing so might help you unlock new levels of performance. You know, I'm also thinking just in terms of, uh, like, if I'm thinking weightlifting and if I was going to adopt this, when I think about lifting weights... It's that last couple of reps that's so hard that makes me think, eh, I don't feel if I feel like it today. If I get to eliminate those last couple and can just do the, the ones I can do, I'm much more likely to do it at all, which obviously is way better than not doing it. Exactly. I saw an interview with another elite athletic trainer, and, and allegedly this applies to mental work, too, So because we're not all you know gifted athletes. But he, he was I'm saying... Certainly not. We're we're not going to do 10 reps or 12 reps. We're going to do eight reps today so we can do nine tomorrow. If we do 10 or 12, we're not doing any tomorrow, or we might do six. Let's do eight so we can do nine tomorrow. That's the new training philosophy. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That is interesting. Or even five every day is better than zero. How many of us have gone to the gym for the first time or early on in some training regimen and 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 been injured ourselves or so completely exhausted ourselves we didn't do anything for days and days? Happens all the time. Hmm. Interesting. I might actually apply yeah. that. Well, and I've heard from elite golfers. Uh, it's very very rare that you swing at a hundred percent. You try to get a hundred percent club speed. Um, you only do that if you have to do something in particular, get over a tree yet over the water, what have you. Go for about 85%. Stay smooth and conscious, and that's plenty. So, anyway, so like I play catch with my son a lot. Like we, we Sometimes we do like really long passes, so I shouldn't try to throw it as hard as I can. No. I'm, I'm most more likely to throw it further by shooting for 85%. Because you stay loose. And, yeah, yeah, probably better form and everything. Yeah, there's another saying in golf, uh, tension destroys speed, which is true. So, anyway, how that works in the office or working on your projects or stuff. You know, there there are times, uh, just speaking for myself, I can get obsessive about this job and just read and read and gather and gather and listen and listen until it's making me insane and I hate it. That's probably not the way to go. Oh, yeah, definitely definitely applies to that sort of thing. You, similar to the weightlifting, yeah. Better to do 85% every day than really go overboard and then the next day think, I can't do that again. That sucks. <laughs> right, be so burned out you hate it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, anyway, yeah, I thought that was, uh, you know, we'll post the link to this. It's actually a Twitter thread. Uh, it'll be at armstrongandgetty.com. In fact, if we talk about anything particularly interesting, like the, um, and I know that's a rarity, but uh, we were talking earlier about the incredible divide, how Republicans win married men by a bunch and married women by a bunch, and single men by a pretty good deficit, and lose among single women by like 27% or 38%, whatever it was, it's an astounding number. Have that article. Have the follow-up article about how women in academia have shoved academia way left because of biological and social tendencies women have as compared to men. All that stuff is at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. That's where we post it. 
So candidates say a lot of things during campaign season to get cheers or votes. Did you see DeSantis in Iowa over the weekend? He was asked the question in front of a crowd, would you be willing to use drones, whatever military it takes, to take out the drug cartels in Mexico? Yes! And the crowd cheered like crazy. They're invading our country and killing our people. We have the right to defend this country. Um, drone strikes in Mexico got cheers. That would be that'd be something, man. That'd be something. Like Andy Jackson went after Pancho Villa. I don't know if Andy Jackson went over that. Probably not. But um, cross-border incursions to go get the lawbreakers. Drone strikes in Mexico. That'd be controversial. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'm thinking the government of Mexico would say, no bueno. <laughs> Wait a second. And, and, you know, if you've ever followed the news, you don't always get the right people. Sorry about the wedding party there in uh, Juarez. Yeah, that would not be good. Mm, but that's where we are with um, when you're running for election, I guess. So speaking of over-preparing, got that uh, stuff on the argument over the Hunter Biden plea deal. His lawyers are out saying some stuff that's really interesting. Um, makes me wonder about the Justice Department. Uh, some AI stories, one awe-inspiring about Parkinson's disease. One, uh, your classic, holy crap, AI story. The Simpsons pushing radical Marxism. In their most recent episode, we got another clip from that, if you haven't heard. It's really something. I don't think that's an overstatement. No. No. It, it was Marxism. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I don't know if the writers just thought, you know what? Let, I, it's going to get some blowback, but we got to do it. It's that important. Or now something. is our moment. Yeah, something. I don't know what, but we'll talk about that in hour four. If you don't get hour four for some reason, you can listen oh. to it in podcast form. Did you know that? Armstrong and Getty On Demand is how you find that. I feel bad if you don't get hour four. I sympathize. I empathize like that monk we quoted earlier on the show. I'm practicing my compassion. I'll have to do a little Googling to see if that Simpsons episode has gotten any attention, because I'm shocked that it hasn't. Although it might just be a lot of young people who watch it or kids or whatever who like the Simpsons didn't get it, <laughs> because it was kind of complicated. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just super troubled by that. Oh, my God. I'm glad I was there to explain it to my kids. Burn down the system they preach. Anyway, more on that in hour four. If you miss an hour, get the podcast. As I said, Armstrong and Getty on demand. You can listen to it uh, at one and a half speed if you want to. And we sound like chipmunks. A lot of people say that's very entertaining. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.